Team Ball Podcast, the most exciting podcast about the most boring sport. I am Brady O'Callaghan. And I'm Joey Price. Uh, we got a phone one today. We got Jesse Lee here with us. Hey, guys. Um, hey, Jesse. Thanks for coming out with us tonight. Oh, thanks for having me out with you guys tonight. <laughs> it's a big night out for us Yeah, here on Beanball. Uh, we're going to talk to Jesse about uh, the Colorado Rockies. We're going to talk to him about prospects in general. Um, in general, very general. Very yeah. general. Yeah, just what they are. We're going to define prospects, and that's the only thing we're going to say. It's going to be a short episode. You <laughs> will have noticed that by now. Um, this one tops out at five minutes. Uh, yeah. uh, but first, as always, yeah, let's, uh, we'll dive into the news. Yeah, first, can I, before we dive into the news, I have a kind of a surprise question for you guys. Oh, boy. Okay? Wait, this is so, a big night out. So last night was the series finale of Game of Thrones, right? And uh, it, this whole season... Like, people have kind of, they haven't been satisfied with it. I think even if you don't watch the show, you probably at least know that. Yeah, I I gleaned that from the Twitter (laughs) response. That's most of what Twitter is these days. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, So, and I I think in these kinds of situations, like, there is no, there's no way to satisfy everybody, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of baseball, what team winning the World Series would satisfy the, like, would have the most universal satisfaction? The most universal satisfaction. Yes, I think right now, if the the Miami Marlins won, everyone would lose their minds. <laughs> like if they won an epic tear and just won their next like fifty games, I think I think people would lose their minds and they would just they would be hyped for it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree that I think that would be fun to watch. Uh, for me, I I think Blue Jays might be fun. You know, mm-hmm. with Vlad, his that's first true. Season. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Ooh boy. I. Uh, it's not, kind of a bad answer, but I almost think the Phillies would be yeah. fun, mostly because they signed Bryce. They had this huge off-season signing of Bryce Harper. And so I think, like, if that just worked and he just was, like, crazy good and they won the World Series and, like, it's because of him. And then at the, uh, at the parade... Bryce Harper personally thanked uh, the owners of the Phillies for spending on trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. To, to validate that strategy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what baseball needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Cause it's like, I almost like Cleveland makes some sense. Cause they've had like the longest winning drought. I for right? one think right. that probably makes the most sense. Yeah. I think well, that we would know. probably make most people happy. Yeah. But it's, but it's feels bad to, you know, uh, uh, say it's them because they refuse to spend any money at all. Right. You right. don't want to reward that. Sure. Okay. Well, we solved it. Basically, except for the Phillies, and I agree with both of your choices, we're just mm-hmm. saying a bad team. Pretty just much. If a really bad team won. Just like a, a big underdog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. People love yeah. an underdog story. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. That's why all those baseball movies got those underdogs, you know? Yeah. That's sure. any sports movie, not just baseball. Great. So that is our uh, weekly Game of Thrones segment. <laughs> Starting after the last episode is aired. Yeah, really good strategy we have. Um, okay, cool. Let's uh, let's tear into the recent happy haps. Um, uh, so the Mets got swept by the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, the Mets Ugh. are looking bad. They've lost five in a row. They got swept over the weekend by the Marlins. The first time the Marlins have swept a team since September of 2017. Duh, uh, that's that's horrible. I'm a so I'm a Mets fan, um, and going into this uh, basically this series, basically this next like uh, road series, there was a lot of pressure on on both Mickey Callaway and the rest of the club to be like you know to produce because they were I think they were um, I think they were at 500 going in, and then just 
epic slide. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, not into good. like we. I think in the last two starts against or last two games against the Marlins, we didn't score a run. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which I is, think that's right. I think they were shut which, out. Yeah, for like seventeen innings and just Ouch. like Degrom got shelled by the Marlins. It was <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, like we, you know, the all the talk in the press was about like putting like you know put up or shut up. You know, Brody. Van Wagen and the new GM was talking a big game about how, you know, come get us. The Mets are the, the team to, to be in the division. And we just got, we just, we just <laughs> broke. We like the Marlins are a historically bad team. They're on pace to be a historically bad team and we're not helping them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then today, like Cess, it came out that Cespedes broke both of his legs or uh, one, one of his legs in multiple parts. So this is an example of sort of the all four limbs. He, he, Brody Van Wagen gave a press conference today in which he misspoke and said Cespedes broke his ankles, which <laughs> okay, then okay. caused uh, immediate speculation that he, somehow Cespedes had broken both ankles. Um, but I think what actually happened is he fell into a, a what was described as a ditch <laughs> on his ranch. It was specified that it was not horse-related, and he broke his right ankle in multiple places. So he he suffered... <laughs> of comp, like I guess a compound fracture sure, on his right, uh-huh. which sounds to me like a career-ending injury, and in, 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 it could be in some cases. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. And also, I mean, he's kind of you know the last couple of seasons he has hardly played that much anyway, right? So, kind of put that all together. And yeah. Well, I mean, you would think if uh, if you can't win some games, at least you'd get your press conferences right, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing is that no one can no one can um, give any kind of details about like what how this freak accident occurred and like what he was doing on his ranch that like caused him to fall into a ditch. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird. Um, it's part of that also like he's, does he not want to admit it or does do that? Does the, I mean, he must have to admit it to the team, but yeah. Yeah. If, if it's, if well, it's for some reason, a bad look for him to have been goofing around on his ranch or I, something. I think that, but also now I think like recently after that press conference, I've been seeing tweets about like, the Mets needing to look into whether Cespedes has violated his contract oh, sure. by like uh, potentially doing something risky that he wasn't like, made, I don't depending on how his contract was written, if he's not supposed to be messing around with the ranch, right? clearly this is a violation of that. So then he wouldn't get money back, right. which uh, also ironically would mean that if his contract was voided, then the, the manager who <laughs> negotiated that contract will lose their commission, who is now the GM of the team. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> so there's a clear conf- conflict of interest in like trying to get to the bottom of what oh what actually God. happened. This is uh, pure, purely the opposite of Moneyball. Uh, so <laughs> funny. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jesse. There, just uh, yeah. Historically, it's it, it. It also started out as like a very promising season. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I really fun team. I got I got you know excited again. I was like hyped. I was like we're you know, uh, you know, saying we're going to defy the projections that we're going to. Win ninety. I don't know. It, now it's all. It's all. It's all a disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um. In other news, there is a play that we're gonna play for you right now. The Orioles had a defensive play that we're gonna go ahead and uh, play the audio from uh, right now. Yeah. Jason Kipnis bounces one towards second. They run him back. They don't tag Lindor. They get the out. They say he's safe at first. Now the throw home. They're safe there. They completely botched it. Yeah, this is a really, really bad defensive play. So the bases were loaded. Uh, It was a close game. There was one out. And it was a pretty hot ground ball right to the second baseman. The infield was playing in. And the second baseman decides to run directly at Lindor to try to tag him to get the double play. Mm -hmm. And Lindor, a very smart baseball player, stops running and 
runs the other direction. Just trying right? to delay. Um, but I don't understand if you're having, if the bases, if you're playing the infield in, why don't you throw home in yep. that situation? The bases are loaded. You could probably still get a double play. Wait, how many outs for? There's one for? out. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I would imagine I, I have zero baseball instincts. I don't think to throw home in that situation. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's like in Little League, they tell you, like, before the pitch is thrown, think about what you would do if the ball is hit to you. Right. And it just feels like this second baseman did not know. And then Chris Davis makes a really bad play throwing home way late to get mm-hmm. the runner who he should have realized was probably going to try to score right. um, the runner on second. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I, he could have thrown to any base. Yeah. And said he runs at Lindor and throws the ball before he tags him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this isn't going to work. They get no outs on a what should have been an easy double play. They gave up two runs uh, uh, as a result of it. They it's, were winning that game too, right? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Maybe not prior to this play, but it was they, had, they at least like – uh, 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 it was close, and I think they were ahead earlier. And um, yeah, yeah, it's one of the worst defensive plays I think I've <laughs> seen in years. Yeah, I mean, I, I so I never like grew up playing sports, so I, I see stuff like that, and I think like, oh, you know, it, you must need a lot of skill to be like a major league player, and they, you must learn the stuff just like in, instinctively and just know it. Um, and then you see a play like that, and it's like, oh no, I think <laughs> I think there are probably large gaps in in, in that type of training. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, they were playing Cleveland in that. Uh, they honestly, the Orioles did okay that series, mm-hmm. um, surprisingly, but uh, certainly not that game, and uh, not the following game uh, with a Shane Bieber pitching start. Um, he pitched a complete shutout. Uh, all nine innings had 15 strikeouts. Oh, that's great. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was yeah. like five hits too, right? Yep, no five walks. hits. And the same week that Sale pitched that like 17 strikeout game through seven, he only threw seven innings and he threw 17 strikeouts. Yeah, and then they eventually lost that game, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, they did. Oh yeah. my God. They, the, to the Rockies? Uh, I think it was think, the Rockies, yeah. Yeah, and they, the Rockies struck out 24 times in that game, I yes, think. Yes, something And like unbelievable (laughs) it's just wild it's wild um and then yeah uh capping off our news uh some very cool news um diamalette quiles is the first woman to play in puerto rico's top baseball league oh that's that's cool yeah that's really great just happened a couple of days ago yeah she she plays in i think normally a women's league in puerto rico Mm -hmm. that's like five teams or something but she got the bump to play uh with the men was the first time that's uh ever happened and um she i i think she she didn't get a hit i think she went 0 for 4 Mm -hmm. um oh she's a hitter yeah that's what i was oh that's cool she's a first baseman wow oh cool yeah she made apparently great contact Uh um i think she struck out twice and then uh, grounded out or flied out um the other two times but apparently her defense was on the money, apparently yeah. she made some great key plays. Awesome, yeah. I think that's I think that's uh, that's awesome because uh, usually, like you know, the I guess the conventional wisdom is uh, a woman could make major league baseball through pitching, right? That's what people say, yeah. right? Um, but that's fucking cool. Yeah, I yeah. think she was the first uh, woman in her league to hit a home run uh, out of the park. Awesome, too. Whoa, cool. That's, that's great. Cool. Yeah. yeah, she's rad. Yeah. Wait, awesome. so w- which um, this is in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about the, how baseball that's played in Puerto Rico. I have uh, I have no idea either. Um, 
We're gonna do a deep dive on it for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll throw some links in the pod description as soon as we have those. Yeah, we'll get some links and we're gonna put them in the pod. We're description gonna go for link sure. dive in. Uh, she's thirty three too. Whoa! Uh, and it's the Double A League in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, really, really great. Um, so today we're talking about the Rockies. Sure are the Rockies yeah. of Colorado, Denver specifically. The Perp Rocks. The Perp. The Perp Rocks. <laughs> uh, in honor of the Rockies, we're, we're drinking uh, two beers. We've got a, uh, a, a beer from Colorado uh, from the brewery New Belgium called Voodoo Ranger. That's not what this is, right? And then, no, what we're drinking, we had to. The Silver Bullet herself. Oh, boy. Coors Light. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And let, let us tell you, those mountains were blue the on that can when we cracked it. The mountains were blue on the can Frosty for as sure. hell, baby. Yeah. The Rockies play at Coors Field. You you have no choice. You got the it. Thing. Yeah. You got to bust one open. Um and um yeah, uh, uh they play at Coors Field, so and, and I think all most it most of their beer that they serve there probably Coors. I would imagine it'd be uh it'd throw me for a loop if I got any beer besides Coors. There. <laughs> you know what? I I looked it up. They have a brewery in the stadium oh, that I think mm-hmm. exists exclusively there. Oh, it might be called like Stadium Brew, or I I forget sure. exactly what it is, but. I wonder um, if it's any different from the the cores that we're familiar with. Oh, it's got well, it's um, it's kind of rockier, I'd say. Oh, okay. Well, it's it, it's higher up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's gonna affect stuff. Yeah. So it it always it falls out of your hand and goes out goes out, goes out the park. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are called Sandlot Brewmasters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, cool. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, so yeah, you know, if you're at Coors Fields, drink Coors, I guess. And hey, yeah. also, if could we talk to just the Coors Brewing Company for a second? Yeah, for for sure. If and you're not the Coors Brewing Company, you can just kind of skip this section. The segment is back. <laughs> um, hey, Coors, look, we'd love for you to send us some beer, huh? <laughs> this this should not be that big an ask. I mean, yeah. what a six pack costs what like eight nine dollars? Yeah, we you give that to us. Look at we're shilling for you. We're fucking. Going deep in how great you are. We didn't have to crack a Coors Light. We didn't have to, but we did. And you know what? I'm loving it. Ba da 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 da. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you guys always whispered that segment? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. The, the two times we've done it, we absolutely have whispered it. Uh, you want to talk about that walk up music? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to. Um, as always, uh, when we're talking about a team, we're going to talk about their walk-up music. It's the one place where players get to express themselves, and it's the one place that we get to rib them a little bit for it. Um, as always, we did a little Bad Bunny check-in. Um, Rockies, they got it covered. They, they got, got Bad Bunny. Okay, good. They got Bad Bunny. All right. <laughs> Jesse's probably the first person on the podcast who knows <laughs> about Bad Bunny. <laughs> yeah, Bad Bunny was everywhere. Uh Maybe like six months ago, it's kind of a surprise that uh, some people still have Bad Bunny as their welcome music. But, yeah, uh, a lot, a lot of Bad Bunny. It's a big. It was a club banger. Still is. Okay. Yeah. Well. How, so. how often do you go to the club? Uh, maybe like once a year. Okay. <laughs> On my brother's birthday. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, all right. So up first, we got Yancy Almont with Mace. Classic. Feels so oh, good. Oh yeah, this is good. This is a real good pick. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fun. When when did this song this come was out? A, this was uh, I want to say late '90s. I want to yeah. say like '97. This, yeah, that's a really 
Really good, fun pick. Yeah, a little bit of throwback, but it still brings the heat. Maybe earlier, maybe earlier, actually. This was Mace, this is Mace's record, which was between, I think, uh, Biggie's first and second record, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Up next, Daniel Murphy with Dropkick Murphys. Oh, I think think he's always come out to this song. Yeah. Shipping up to Boston. He's never played for Boston. (laughs) Uh, I think he's... He must be from there. He's sh- yeah, something about uh, um, maybe he just liked a player that uh, whose favorite band was Dropkick Murphys. No. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. I think that's um, the connection. I, I also think that this is this would not be the first instance that we've had of people playing songs that are clearly just because their name is in the title or maybe the band name. Daniel. Oh Murphy, yeah, Kick sure. Murphys. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we were. I thought we were intentionally avoiding. I, no, I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I mean, it's not the first time. Um, he we used went to, with X. Going to give it to you for Xander Bogart. That's right. Yeah, right. X gonna give it to you. Yeah. Timber um, for Adam Simber. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson Ramos comes out to Wilson by Fish. I think a lot oh, version sure. of that. Uh-huh. Just like a the part where they yell Wilson. <laughs> yep, perfect. <laughs> uh, um, it's fine. Yeah, I think this is a. Yeah, Pretty good, but uninspired pick. Yes, agreed. He used to come out to Christian Rock, so I think... Okay, it's, a, think. it's, a, yeah, it's an upgrade. <laughs> um, up next, we have Antonio Senzatela coming out to Jorge Celedon, Esta Vida. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, I dig this it. Is, yeah, I like this, too. <laughs> this gets me in the mood to strike out because I'm a pitcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh, yeah this is great. It, it, to me, this feels like um, like Super Mario World music. Yeah. And I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. Very good. It, yeah. It's, it's a contender to... It's not going to take the throne, but it's a contender to the throne. Yeah. It's definitely one of the best that we've had. Yeah, it's yeah, vying for, sure. for the throne. It's vying for the throne. For its uh, rightful place on the throne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Up next, we have Trevor Story. With Zed featuring Aloe Black, Candyman. Okay, I, I don't know who any of those people are. Um, is this the Eminem song? Oh, God, no. No, I, this I, is the Willy Wonka not song. Not Eminem the rapper. Eminem, like, oh. uh, em, like, he made a song for, like, the Eminem, the candy brand? Oh, this might be, yeah. That makes... Like, but it's got, this, it's got the Willy Wonka thing going on, right, too? This is entirely the Willy Wonka. I mean, it might differ as but soon that, as the EDM comes in. Yeah, the drop is like, and it feels so good. <laughs> right? Is that what this song is? Right, this is, is a club banger. <laughs> like <that's>... This sucks. <laughs> well, you... <laughs> this fucking sucks. Yeah, oh. this is that song. Oh. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> Not crazy about it. I would love it if it were just the Willy Wonka song. Oh, honestly. sure. <laughs> I think that would be fun and funny. That changes my perception of Trevor's story completely, that that's his wild <laughs> song. <laughs> that this is, I think of Trevor's story as kind of like a scrappy dude who like, you know, uh, who just like mashes dingers. And if this is what, yeah. if this is what uh, is blasting through his head to get him pumped <laughs> up, he's a yeah. way lamer dude than I thought he was. Yeah. He had another one. He had, uh, his other one is um, 50 Cent, If I Can't, which... Probably a better choice. Yeah. All right. Charlie Blackman. Yeah, this is good. This is real good. Yeah, this is it. Name of the bands, which I did not know, is The Outfield. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know that either. That's where he plays. Yeah, yeah, it is. He's checking off a bunch of boxes here. 
He's like, this is the optimal baseball song for me. Yeah. This is a good choice. This is a fun choice. I think it's a fun choice. Lose your love tonight. Perfect. Wow. I heard, guys, big news. Just got a text from Charlie Blackman. He is hiring us to cover this song. Hey. This is big. This is big news. (laughs) This is big. Trevor Story, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, good, yeah. Cool. If everybody, if you're not Trevor Story, if you could just kind of not listen for a second, Jesse has a yeah, message uh, just for Trevor Story. Look, we'll we'll cover that Zed song for you. We'll do a better version of it. It'll be way better than Aloe Black, and it won't be sponsored by M and M's. Okay, thank you. Hope, hope uh, I think he'll get the message. Yeah. Send a DM to him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- some pretty good choices. I definitely like that. Uh, Anto- uh, Antonio. They were- Sensatella, Sensatella. Yep. That was great. That's great. I think overall, pretty good. Yeah, across the board, pretty like upbeat and uh, happy. Mm-hmm. I guess it it truly amazes me how bad some people are at picking up these songs, but these guys, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, it's, it's about time to get into it. Let's yeah. do it. So the Rockies. <laughs> We should have given you a heads up that we were going to play that. <laughs> so yeah. the Rocky. There was a stampede of uh, guitars and cows that ran through here. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, see, we'll see, see you later. next week. See ya. Um, so the Rockies. Um, I find them to be like a very interesting organization because of the – they have kind of a unique problem in, in baseball, obviously, uh, being in Coors Field and the elevation. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just so fascinating that um, – they have to deal with a problem that no other club has to deal with yeah. and how it's affected their organization. Yeah, so um, you're not a, 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 a like a fan of the Rockies, no, right? I, you just think they're interesting. I also think they're, they're pretty interesting for the same kind of reason. Yeah, like I think, I, I think it's, like an, it's like a rare intersection of like geology and, yeah. <laughs> and physics and um, baseball, I guess. Let's uh, uh, just explain it for a second just in case there's people out there that don't. Yeah, I don't know. So the Rockies play at Coors Field um, in Colorado, and their elevation is uh, a few thousand feet above sea level, um, which means that the atmosphere is thinner, um, and therefore the there's less resistance on the ball. Um, so the ball does strange things in Coors that it doesn't do in other in other parks. Yeah. So, for example, um, uh, players have a lot more power, so a lot, a lot more home runs in, or just you know maybe a single might go for a double. Um, in cores, and also, um, if you're a pitcher, it sucks to be a pitcher in cores. Yeah, uh, and it's this weird thing where in baseball, like all ballparks, kind of have their weird, uh, unique things, and like some some ballparks are more pitcher parks where there's le- less offense, and some ballparks are more hitters parks where there's more offense. But Coors Field is kind of so like outside of the standard deviation that you would expect from right. that. And th- to the extent where not long uh, after a couple of seasons, a couple of early seasons there, they, they started putting the baseballs in a humidifier. Right? right, the humidor, yeah. Yeah, in order to like eat level the playing field a little bit. Right. That's they've amazing. Been, yeah. They've been trying to account for that. Um, yeah, like other parks, they're, they might be a hitter's park or a pitch park based on, like, the dimensions of the fences, right? Yeah. Um, it's this, a, one, this one's just, a, like, completely unique circumstances. Yeah. An amazing part about baseball is that um, there is no, like, real standard besides, yeah. like, the measurements of the infield, yeah. um, distance of bases 
and distance of like the right. pitcher's mound, et cetera. Um, which are so precisely measured, like, yeah. and they're like completely balanced for the game right now. Yeah. Right. But you know, no, you everything can pick else, whatever yeah. depth you want. <laughs> yeah. It's you really can wild. Whatever conditions. Yeah. It's like Mario Kart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you like to ride in a, a motorbike or do you like uh, a cart or maybe um, like a buggy? A buggy. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. You're going to have a pitcher's park. You're going to have a batter's park. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the, the ball, there's a lot, the power there is just, it's just greater. And especially kind of in that, in like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. uh, that's when like you really, really saw these kind of insane differences between uh, uh, right. uh, playing there and playing at other places. Yeah. So I, you know, just a couple interesting articles have come up in the past couple of years about specifically players playing at, uh, at course, um, you know, Sarah specifically kind of has looked at this, mm-hmm. this issue in a couple of ways. And one, th- one, so, uh, he published a piece on Fangraphs that I th- found so fascinating, which was, uh, basically, you know, obviously there's that, um, atmospheric part, but, um, because it's a thinner atmosphere, like players, the physical, uh, uh, exertion of like first of all playing in a higher atmosphere mm. has led to like they for example players just can't stay hydrated they have to constantly drink water oh wow they get worse sleep um and it just like even if it's like a couple percent worse than normal it adds up over the course of the season so that like if you're a pitcher like and you have two starts at home in a row you're probably way worse than you would be if you had been you know pitching away do they then like as a um, the other side of that? Do they play better in different like away in away games? So because actually, they're training in these uh, other elements. So that's an interesting question, and I think that there's a lot of like uh, there. I think a lot of uh, you know baseball writers have been like kind of looking at that question. I think um, some of the answers are maybe not what you expect because um, <laughs> like for for one so. Turns I should out note it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should note that so the Rockies are totally aware of this issue, right? And so yeah. that means that they they kind of um, their organization is built to uh, you know run a certain way. They know that they have half their games at home, so they they get a lot of pitchers that don't throw a lot of breaking balls, right? They don't they throw a lot of like you know fastballs like. And uh, ground ball type, uh, try to get weak contact in that way. Yeah, in general, like a curveball is not going to have as much break on it at mm-hmm. Coors Field as it's going to have in other places, so it, it's more liable to be crushed. Right. And a fastball, I think, is better at Coors Field than it would be at your normal park. Yeah. For like the opposite reason. Right. Um, I, I will admit I haven't gone into the the deep specifics of the metrics, like pitch mixes and things like that. But I think basically the you know long story short the Rockies have kind of built their pitching a certain way to succeed at cores. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a winning, uh, strategy from like, if you're pitching away. Yeah. Similarly on the hitting side, um, if you have a lot of pitchers or a lot of hitters who are kind of like trained to sell out for power necessarily, or maybe they're, they're, they're seeing a certain type of pitch at cores a lot, and then they go on the road and they don't see it as often. Um, maybe they don't perform that well. So you'd expect, I guess, like their home and road splits to be, like their their away splits to be way better than their home splits. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if that's the case anymore. <laughs> like, I think like, I think like they're like overcompensating in a lot of different ways. And um, I'm just looking at this um, article from Purple Row uh, from last year. And it's saying that like, which is a, I assume a, uh, uh, it looks like an SB Nation, like Rockies mm-hmm. beat blog where, like, kind of their home road splits are converging now, hmm. um, in a way. But, like, in the last five years, basically they had been... Um, I think the data was just so weird that, like, people were could probably 
find any type of explanation that they like you could it was hard to it's hard to bring one unifying theory to explain all the different splits that you were seeing hmm. they maybe also maybe their front office finally like hired some good people to really yeah. try to figure it out a little bit um you would hope so yeah because they have also kind of had i guess this goes into more details about uh or or connects to prospects which is what we're kind of right, talking right. about as well they kind of historically have had a hard time developing players well especially pitchers yeah i would say that um well i know that in 2018 they they spent like a hundred million dollars on just their bullpen and it was like one of the worst bullpens oh, that God. year um like i, I yeah I, remember, I think they signed like wade davis sung juan o and like a bunch of like you know they were like really active on the uh free agent market for you know relievers who they felt would be pretty stable like and uh, the type of pitchers who would succeed in cores and I think they had like the worst <laughs> bullpen Jeez. ERA that year, um, and so it's just like you know, it's 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 just really interesting, um, you know, the way that uh, small little changes can really like, you know, throw off your your projections, your expectations so widely. That's got to be so demoralizing as a uh, as a young pitcher to get drafted by the Rockies, yeah. just knowing that that is going to skew any chances you have, of, right? You know putting up good career numbers. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, they have to kind of throw a lot of money at pitchers if they want to get someone interested in, in yeah. coming to pitch there. Um, okay. Yeah. So another flip side, do they have uh, great batting power? Uh, I would say that, um, well, so you got, you got a lot of big sluggers on the team. You got um, Charlie Blackman, who's has been historically very good. Um, pr- probably he was extended for like, I think, you know, like a six years extension last year or something like that. Um, and he's been really good in the past. I think, uh, this year you're starting to see some of the effects of his aging. You got Nolan Arenado, perennial MVP candidate. Yeah, great player, great player. Great player. Um, but again, another player who's like home road splits are a little, little stark. Um, Trevor Story, Trevor Story's like big bopper, big guy there. Mm-hmm. He's, um, a big power guy. And they have, um, uh, a lot of young talent who potentially could, be those types of players but um they the rockies have this like habit of blocking their young talent with like or forcing their uh, their prospects into like platoon splits um to in in favor of these like really overpaid (laughs) aging veterans who are are not good anymore like um they played uh carlos gonzalez in their outfield for a really long time and blocked like much longer than he was right so they had they had ian desmond and there's who they're still kind of giving every day at bats and uh um uh, Carlos Gonzalez last year, plus Gerardo Parra. Um, and they had, like, three outfield prospects. They have like they didn't play David Dahl for a long time. They didn't play Rymel Tapia. Um, and, you know, now this year they have uh, Ryan McMahon, uh, uh, Garrett Hampson, and then now they're, they've called up Brendan Rodgers. Like, three really young, like, high upside prospects who could be really good. Um, but they have, like, one position to play. Like, yeah, and they, yeah. signed, they signed Daniel Murphy, who, you know, is a good guy, very very good player, uh, big Dropkick Murphys fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but has not had a good season. He's so not far. had a good season. He's been struggling with injury, and um, you know, um, but a really really good guy. Really good guy. He's so yeah, he's a really, really good guy. guy. Um, can I? This is so. Uh, 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 I just found this. Uh, Grant Brisby, who's a great baseball writer for the Athletic, um, uh, on on Baseball Reference, there's a way to like convert uh, a player's stats to different ballparks in different eras if this makes oh, yeah. sense okay oh, cool. um and so this is a little bit you know 
like abstract or, or made up, but right. you know, there's some there's something to it. So he converted uh, Barry Bonds's stats to 2000 if he played all of his seasons at uh, in the year 2000 at Coors Field. Jesus, oh, mm-hmm. um, Barry Bonds, who in his career hit you know uh, 762 home runs, the, the most that had ever ever been hit. If he played in that uh, circumstance, he would have hit 989 home runs. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. Wait, what's that's that's like a <laughs> Wait, that's like a 200 home run increase? Yes. Yeah, it's over 200 more home runs. That's insane. Like he, the the year that he broke the home run record, he it, with uh, he would have hit 93 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was 980 how many? 989 home runs. 989. How many years did he play? Uh he played um Oh, how many is this? Twenty. Uh, uh, okay, if, if it is twenty, that's that's about fifty home runs. Yeah, a year. it's a little, it's a little more than twenty. So you know, call it forty-eight home runs a year. All right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just a reasonable number of yeah. home runs. That's just insane. totally crazy. And yeah. you know, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's the area. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the juiced area era and everything like that. But it is, it just shows you how crazy that park was, especially yeah. then. But still, still is. There, it still is that problem to it. That should be like a, um, like a baseball mode, like playing cores at year <laughs> two thousand. Uh, sorry, a video game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It should yeah. be like yeah, yeah, MLB baseball. Yeah, yeah. yeah if, uh, the show. if the show is listening. Yeah, hey. specifically the video game. Yeah, hey the show. Hey the show. We got an idea for DLC. <laughs> hire us, the show. We don't know how to do anything, but we have this one idea that you should hire us. <laughs> Look, it, it took a couple episodes off, but the whisper aside is very back. Um. So. This whole thing kind of brings us to talk about just prospects generally. Yeah. Right? Which you are uh, uh, into. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the young boys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, no. uh, the, four, the three of us are all in a fantasy league together. Yes, yeah. And I will like be like, oh, we should pick this guy up. And I will go and I will search that player. And Jesse, you have already picked them up. <laughs> and in some like, cases, I've already picked them up and dropped them. <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating whenever it's like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. Nope, Jesse's got him. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, yeah, so I'm a huge fantasy baseball nut, so I feel, feel like that's, like, my main, um, uh, that's how my interest in prospects started. Um, uh, Jesse, uh, by the way, before the season started, was talking to me on Gchat and said, "I'm, I think I'm in four fantasy baseball leagues, <laughs> oh, and it's way too much of a commitment. I have to drop one." And I was like, "I'm thinking about starting one." He goes, "Okay, can I get an invite?" <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is a problem. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife's not very happy with me right now. Uh, um, but yeah, so I, I feel like I'm, I'm very into, uh, for some reason, like the idea of a, a, a prospect coming up and uh, completely there's so much excitement and and they represent all the dreams and hopes of that that team and you know when they get their first hit it's like there's nothing greater in baseball when like a prospect makes their debut and when they get their first hit so I feel like that's like the culmination of like the greatest things about baseball mm-hmm. um, and so I feel like uh, for that reason I've been very like interested in, in sort of like um, you know figuring out, I also think like the, the the aspect of like evaluating talent in baseball and how people look at um, and how they predict who's going to be good and who has the skills to eventually um, project into like a, an, a, an all star player. I think is like a super interesting part of the game. Yeah, I really don't know how they have that sort of information. How 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 that kind of works, but it 
seems like they're only kind of getting better and better. Teams are only getting better and better at that kind of player yeah. evaluation sort um, of stuff. Yeah, and it's it's become much more formalized. Obviously, like you know, there's so much data available now that like you can look at um, so many different aspects. There's so many different ways of evaluating a player. Um, but I just think it's like um, I don't know. Reading a scouting report is just like really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will say I will say like just from the outside, I'm not like a super deep dive prospect guy. Like I'm probably like someone who's going to know maybe like the top like 20 prospects in the top 100 in any given year. I'm not like the kind of dude who's going to like know who's going to which team is going to pick what player in the draft. Sure. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess like. I'm I'm most excited by like the players who are like on the cusp of joining the uh, uh, major league level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I um, we, I don't know how you guys want to do. Yeah, are there? Really. I'd like to. Yeah, the ones that you're interested in that you're most excited by. Okay. Yeah. So um, so the first the first prospect I find really I, I, I feel like I have to talk about this guy, Jordan Alvarez. I don't know if you guys have fo- followed no. him at all. So he's um, he's a he's an outfielder slash first baseman slash most likely DH. Um, in the Astros organization. And so he's like, uh, uh, I'm hold on. I'm going to pull up his numbers right now okay. because his, he has video game numbers. Um, <laughs> the Astros won the world series, uh, two seasons ago. Yeah. They are perennial favorites Contenders. to win the world series. Yeah. And they have a very good farm system still. They have a very good farm system. I think their front office is very well respected. I think they're like, you know, analytically, I think they're, they're, they're one of the teams that like, um, kind of rebuilt their organization in a way um, to to be like perennial contenders. Yeah, right? they're just going to be good for a very long time. Yeah, I, I for one think that's unfair and bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're they're like you know when they when they are um, you know when an organization is high on someone, I think like like the Astros, I think you kind of respect that a little bit more. Anyway, so this it, it also kind of sucks that they already have like a stacked offense and then yeah. they have like one of these the best prospects <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, game. It's crazy. Um, okay, so anyway, Jordan Alvarez, let me just read it. He, in 39 games in the major league level, he has 170 plate appearances. He has 18 home runs, 38 runs, 55 RBIs. His walk rate is 13.5%, 19.4% strikeout rate. So it used to be, he used to walk as much as he strikes out. He's like, and now it's like, um, diverging a little bit. His ISO is 473. Um Crazy. His average is 411, OBP 494, 884 slugging. So his uh, his, <laughs> his weighted runs creative is is 224. So he's over he's he's over 124 percent better than the average minor league at triple triple Oh God! Um, and so he, he him hitting 18 home runs in less than 40 games is absolutely unreal that's crazy that's, it's unreal yeah he's nuts. like he has better numbers than vlad at um in the same if you if you cut vlad sample uh vladimir guerrero jr who's a great probably, pr- great player now yeah. on the blue jays yeah we finally called him up was was regarded as the number one prospect yeah. he has better numbers in in the same sample set as uh vladimir, vladimir guerrero jr wow vladimir guerrero jr um so yeah, so basically the the main thing holding him back, uh, obviously, is defense. Yeah, right. Sure. That's yeah. like that's the excuse that teams give, right? Yeah. When they um, when they want to keep a player down for service time. But I think in this case, it's very actually deserved because he's um, doesn't project as a good outfielder, and the Astros have a very good out, uh, outfield as it right. is right now. Right. They have um, Springer, um, Brantley, and. Um, uh, basically, Reddick platooning with um, can't remember. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't anyway, right, they, the right. Astros have a stacked yes, offense. Yeah. They, they have like mo- like the most players with an OPS over eight fifty right. of any major league club, and it feels weird to bring up a prospect as like a DH, right? 
Yeah, like it seems like you wouldn't. That seems like a waste of development time. Yeah. So the main the main issue right now is that um, I believe that uh, so Kyle Tucker is was before this year kind of viewed as like the top outfield prospect in the Astros system. Um, he was also another really fantastic prospect, and he's much better defensively. He has a true outfielder potential at in in at the major league level. Um, but he, you know, had a slow start, and he just doesn't have these like ridiculous numbers <laughs> yeah. that um, Jordan Alvarez does. So, um, you know, there's the the they have like a couple potential paths where he could get the call up. Um, you know, Tyler White is their first base slash DH, uh, splitting time with Yuli Gurriel. Yeah, um, and they like the Astros like to cycle people in and out of their DH spot. So it feels like there's not a clear space for him to play. They'd have to make room for him somehow with yeah. like a roster move. But I mean, this this kid is unreal. I don't yeah. know how long you can keep this guy at at, at AAA. Yeah. Um, Imagine having someone that good and just thinking, how, how are we gonna make? Yeah. Well, yeah. What can we do? <laughs> There's nothing we can do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my it's crazy. god. Yeah. So I mean, I think. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be some kind of adjustment uh, moving to the major league level. But this, I mean, this is the type of dude, like, who gets compared to, like, David Ortiz. Yeah, wow. Um, he has that kind of potential. Um, so, I don't know. Th- so, that, to me, is, like, an enca- encapsulation of, like, what I love about prospects, right? Mm-hmm. They get compared to these, like, superstar players, and they have the potential to do it. And there's, like, you place all these, like, hopes and dreams <laughs> on these players. And then when you see them come play, you like, you're, like, rooting for them every time and they, they step up to the plate. And I feel like that's, like, so exciting yeah i yeah. think it's it's good for the teams too I, we've talked about this once or twice but like the the padres made the decision to call up at the beginning of their season like two of their big prospects right fernando tatis jr and chris paddock chris, chris paddock. paddock yeah and i think it like invigorated that fan base a little yeah. bit and like they're excited about it they're it, like when i watch a padres game there's a lot of people at those games um yeah and it, yeah i think it like matters to that, the fans that plus they had just you know spent 300 oh, plus yes, million right, on, on manny machado, machado yeah. but also like it tells machado who just came from you know a club that uh tore down right we're here to play we're here to win so you know uh maybe run out your grounders or <laughs> 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 um all right anybody else yeah, that you're, yeah. Uh, excited about? so there's jordan alvarez let's we could talk about a pitching prospect um uh First of all, how are those guys doing that Padres called up? Paddock, uh, I know, is doing great. He's doing great. Tatis started good, very well, but he got injured. I, th- I don't I don't think it's very serious, but I think he's been out for a couple, uh, a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, he, so I don't know if you guys saw the play. He did a he did basically a complete split and landed on his nuts. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they said it was a hamstring strain, but I don't know how it's not a, a nut strain. <laughs> <laughs> like he 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 did the split and then fell over and just face like laid on the ground with his face in the grass and <laughs> that's was, a strict IL ten you know he's yeah. just trying to save face yeah. yeah that's a nut strain for sure yeah, yeah. um yeah no he was he was looking really good uh, before yeah. um he was he, showing more power than I think people were expecting mm-hmm. to which I think is like a common thread um with uh, like people who debuted in 2017 and and this year because I think you know the whole juice ball theory. Oh, yeah, um, sure. And now that people are using the... Yeah, so uh, another caveat about Jordan Alvarez is that, you know, people people say, oh, they're just... The only reason he has these numbers is because they're using the uh, quote-unquote juice ball in the AAA level now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing like kind of inflated power numbers across the board. But if they're using the same ball, they're using the same ball in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that should yeah. be really a detraction from a player's ability. Yeah. Um, all right, actually, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm actually not going to talk about a pitching prospect. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Keston Hira. 
um, who just is, got called just up, got right? called out for the Brewers, and so he's had like maybe like six games. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I think a really interesting prospect because first of all, um, uh, one of the few like Asian American players that mm-hmm. I, I think has has played in the majors recently. Um, but uh, he has uh, a really, I would say, so the the way that you know prospect evaluators kind of uh, they they look at a player, they look at their quote unquote tools, right? So his hit tool. Um, is supposed to be is projected to be uh, better. Uh, it's, it's graded as a sixty on fan uh, fan graphs, uh, which I guess sixty means from the twenty eighty scale. It's like percentile, right? So sixty means you'd be ten percent better than your average major leaguer. Um, so that's how, what he's projected to be. Um, but he has raw power sixty. He basically his his tools across the board. Um, you know the way that a lot of a lot, a lot of prospect evaluators like to start with like does he have a good hit tool they make a lot of contact do they have a good sense of hitting and then can their power kind of project like kind of grow into that their body i I always think it's like kind of interesting the way that project uh prospect evaluators talk about like people growing into their bodies (laughs) it's like kind of like uh it's it's like kind of weird because you're talking about like kids in like it's um, a professional puberty yeah yeah professionally like you're watching kids like some some of them start like when they're like 16 years old right yeah that's Um, yeah but it's essentially like Hit for average, if right. you will. Hit for power, right. if you will. Um, uh, so there's game power, fielding. raw power, speed, fielding, uh, throw. throwing arm. Yeah, yeah. arm, basically. Um, and so, yeah, those being kind of like the skills that uh, require or that that lead to success as a successful major leaguer. So um, Hira just has like a really good hit tool, um, and he projects for a decent amount of power and speed. Um, at um, and play second base. I think he's just like a really interesting guy. Um, I I kind of feel like um, the Brewers are just like one of those teams that are like a surprise. Maybe not a surprise, but in the last couple of years they've been much more competitive. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. like an exciting. They're an exciting uh, team to watch just because they've been bad for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, they're fun. And, we like the Brewers. Um, yeah, Brewers are great. Yeah, and they do that uh, really silly. Um, slide on their home runs yeah mm-hmm. yeah they do do that yeah. really silly slide on their home runs um <laughs> their, so he, their mascot whatever their mascot is um i think they have five different mascots <laughs> right they're all like five different puppet people uh, yeah they're i mean they're weird looking <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's on youtube you should definitely look it up it's yeah. like the main guy who's like a, a is he a, like a brewmeister or something i don't know what he is yeah i don't know he's but, a blonde dude and then there's like uh his mother Right? Yeah, hold on. Um, we should be able to... There's kind of a whole canon <laughs> yeah. with the Brewer's mascot. This goes deep. <laughs> um, but every time they hit a home run, uh, he goes down a slide uh, in the outfield. Yeah. Um, a very silly ritual, but <laughs> yeah. we love it. It's great. It's great. Um, yeah, so Keston Hira, he's he's up right now. He, he strikes out a lot, which is kind of like... Uh, it's just kind of a detraction against him, but yeah. um, although it's like what every it feels like every everyone is striking out a lot. Yeah, everyone's across the board kind of striking out a lot. Yeah. Um, and but I think with a good hit tool like that should kind yeah. of go down. Yeah, it probably will um, once he gets used to yeah like pitching and stuff. Um, hold on, let me think of some other. That is the thing sometimes with prospects is like they come up and they they're good, but they're maybe they ne- maybe never really pan out as well as people expect them to because major league pitching versus minor league pitching is a pretty big difference. Right. Um, you know, you look at somebody like uh, Gregory Polanco on the 
Pirates, who was like yeah. this really, really well touted prospect. Mm-hmm. And he's good. He's a good player. Yeah. But yeah. he kind of never became that like superstar that I think people were expecting him to become. Yeah. I feel like he's always been on the cusp of like having a really good year. Yeah. Um, this year he uh, he just had a shoulder, was it a dislocation or something mm-hmm. in his shoulder? And uh, I think since he's been back, he's been having a pretty decent year. Yeah. Um, he's good. He's a good player. Yeah. He's good for yeah. the Pirates for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Let's talk about Brendan McKay. Um, he's a player in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Mm-hmm. We love them. Um, great, great, uh, great team. Yeah, um, we we follow them. Yeah, that's our team. That's that's the our, the other team that we follow. Is this the unofficial team? This of is the unofficial Bean team of the uh, Beanball. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this of the 2019 Beanball. Uh, the Rays are just you know they're a fun team just because yeah. they feel like you know Oakland A's 2.0. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, so Brandon McKay is an interesting player because he's a he's a two way he's a two way player. Mm. Um, uh, I think he's he's trying to be uh, developed both as a, a hitter and a pitcher. Um, I love that that's coming back. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, Sho- Shohei Otani uh, was the big name doing that last year. Yeah, unfortunately got Tommy John surgery, yeah. so he's not pitching at all this year. But he did finally just come back. Uh, and I hit it. Started started hitting again, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Otani uh, definitely. I feel like was a was like you know at the time it was like oh you can't you know it was crazy that he was doing both. But now yeah. I feel like there's all these players who are like f- kind of flirting with trying to trying to do it, especially yeah. in. This like, is the first time it. since Babe Ruth, right? That somebody had pitched and hit. I think it was like pitched a complete game and hit a home run it was something i don't remember exactly what it was uh you're thinking of no singer Syndergaard who well no there was that <laughs> too um yeah uh, but but I, yeah. I forget what it was but there yeah i don't know if it was the first one to do it since babe ruth but there was some specific yeah condition did. yeah um yeah but i think like uh i think since otani a lot of pitchers have been like hey i kind of like you would like to hit or vice versa right yeah. like or like like jd davis for example was um, i think when the mets had just traded for him he was kind of touted as this guy who used to be a reliever and then also plays through base and outfield. You know, this um, this guy who could pitch. Like, mm-hmm. you might you might see him in, in, a, in a relief outing in a blowout or something. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah, actually yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, I let's hear Otani, first player since Babe Ruth to pitch 50 innings and hit 15. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. That's what uh-huh. it is, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, good anyway, Brendan McKay, so he's, uh, he's 23. He's, uh, he's, he's a lefty. Um, and his pitching is, I think he started as a first baseman and then started pitching and then his pitching has since, um, far outpaced his, his hitting. So I think actually what's, so his numbers in the minor leagues right now, he has, um, 35 innings pitched in double A this year. Um, and his ERA is 1.51 with a FIP of 1.62 and an XFIP of 1.68. So this guy is like earning his results. Yeah. High strikeouts. Um, ERA versus FIP is basically ERA is actual results and FIP is kind of what you would expect their earned run average to be if based it, it, if there were no fielding. Yes, um, I think it's so. Is it Baseball ju- is insane. <laughs> <laughs> the statistics are crazy. It's the only ones that where you can base it on the actual numbers, and then other ones are just like, what yeah. about this insane hypothetical? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think FIP is is scaled on the ERA scale, but it takes. Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how FIP is calculated, but it tries to reduce the influence of uh, the. Uh, the quality of the defense behind him. Yeah. If there's then, anyone out there who's very good with numbers, uh, we on the Beanball want to propose a number of insane stats. 
And we yeah, have no we've idea got how to calculate. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of good so, stat ideas. So please reach out to us because we would love to get these up and running. Um, yeah, so he's he's like earning his his results, and I think what's keeping him back. I mean, obviously he's in Double A, so um, but you'd think that like someone who's pitching this well in Double A would get promoted in Triple A. I think the Rays are uh, notoriously slow with their prospects, mm-hmm. um, but I think what's keeping him back is they also want him to hit. So I think he's like less of a less of a a good hitter. Interesting. Um, let me see if Fangrass has his uh, hitting stats. Um, yeah, so uh, his hitting this year, um, it's not coming up. Okay. If uh, any of you are interested in, you know, looking at stats, looking at prospects, stuff like that, we, we really do recommend the website, fangrass.com. Fangrass, if you're listening. We'd love for you to send us some free websites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, but it is a really good website for uh, uh, baseball statistics and really great um, uh, article content as well. They have a lot of really. Jesse yeah. just showed me um, baseball uh, savant. Baseball savant this year at the mm-hmm. oh, was that the the uh, stackcast stackcast yeah yeah baseball savant is crazy because you can watch. I didn't realize this was a feature that I just discovered, but you can watch games happen in real time through the stackcast uh, data, so you can see like. A hit that was just hit, and then Statcast like how, what they're like how likely they the Statcast thinks it uh, that should have landed for a hit and things like that, which is pretty crazy. That's really cool. So if you're the rare baseball fan that watches baseball and thinks this is too exciting, and I'd rather watch <laughs> spreadsheets, <laughs> boy, have we got the website for you. Um, okay, so Brendan McKay, his av- yeah, he's his hitting is way behind. So he's um uh, he's hitting at he's hitting 173 his average. Mm. Um, in 22 games, uh, and he has zero home runs, eight runs, eight RBI, seven walks, 26 strikeouts. So yeah, his hitting is way worse. At a certain point, they're going to probably just have to make the decision. Yeah, I think at a certain point, like it's, if it's only about, they're just like, you're not doing this anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting is like, I don't know how much a player has their say in that development, right? Like if they're like, you know, we, we like, if the player likes to play first base, um, you know, What's you know? At a certain point, the, the club is just like you know, like we we want you as a pitcher, you know. Mm-hmm. And you just be like, okay, fuck, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Is there a certain like team that you're excited about in terms of the prospects that they have, or uh, um, ones that look better than others? I know we've talked about the Astros, but the so the I mean, there's like there's the Braves have a really good farm system. They have a lot of good pitching, um, and uh, they've a lot of them have made kind of their major league. They've like played games this mm-hmm. season. Um, cause I think that's one of the weaknesses of, of the Braves right now is just they're both their bullpen and their starting pitching. Um, so I feel like they've, the Braves have a really good young farm system. Austin Riley just got called up. He's looking like a legit power hitter, um, who they're going to try and outfield cause they want to make space for him. Cause Josh Allison is playing right now and he's mm-hmm. healthy and they're paying him 26 million yeah, dollars. Yeah, you might as well. Um, so the Braves have a really good organization. Obviously the, the Padres have a really good farm, um, you know they have a, they also have a lot of good pitching, um, mm-hmm. but also like good offensive prospects. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. looks like the next Manny Machado. Like um, he's really exciting to watch, and he's like immediately really good. Like yeah, the <laughs> two of them being on the same side of the infield as each other is really fun, yeah really cool. But they also have uh, Luis Urias, who's a second oh, yeah. prospect, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, who is being blocked right now by Ian Kinsler. Um, so who knows how long that'll last? But, yeah. Um, you know, they have just, like, a lot of, like, really high upside, uh, um, good, just young talent that 
club is going to be really good for a long time. Yeah, it's a weird thing that yeah, it is. I remember this with the Giants. I'm uh, Giants fan. In 2009, people were really begging the team to bring to call it Buster Posey and keep him up, and they had, um, uh, oh God, what was that guy's name? Uh, uh, Molina, not Yadier, um, his brother, one of the Molina. Oh guys. yeah, yeah, yeah. He has like three catcher brothers. Yeah, right? <laughs> he, one of them was the catcher for the Giants and was really bad. Mm-hmm. And but it was this thing where it's like he was under contract and the team didn't want to release him and right. stuff like that. And it like I, they won the World Series in 2010 partially thanks to Posey, but it was just this really frustrating thing as a fan. Yeah. Just be like, this guy, this young kid is so good. Mm-hmm. We want him to be playing for us. We don't care about this catcher who is not good anymore. Right. To, like bring up the fun young guy. And I think it's like hard for teams to, to do that, especially if they're going to lose money or something like that. But it's like somebody like Ian Kinsler, mm-hmm. he's like, fine. Right. But bring up the fun young guy. He's also, yeah, I mean, Ian Kinsler has had a really long career. Yeah. He knows who he is right at this point. Like, Luis Arias <laughs> could be anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what's exciting about him. Um, I also think, like, catching prospects are, are, are just riskier, right? Yeah, they're definitely. like they're, they're, they're tougher to project also because, like, you know, as a catcher, you got to call the game. So there's this whole, um, I think there's a lot more emphasis or I guess more responsibility on the catcher than other um, offensive yeah. positions. Um, you know, right now the the Mets have um Tomas Nito, who's like not a good offensive hitter, but you know he's he's kind of known for being a good defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have asking kind of someone at the who's just up from the minor league level to call a game and catch Jacob Degrom and No Syndergaard, like that's like a tough thing to do. Yeah, right? for sure. Right. Um, and so I feel like it's tougher to find a good uh, a catcher who can first of all you know handle the the wear and tear of catching yeah. all the time, but also you know manage a game that way. Um, yeah, it just takes a certain type of player. Yeah. Um, so that's why, like, when you hit on a really good catcher, it's that much more exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I just want to say, I, I, I think it's really fun to call, like, the minor leagues the farm system. Yeah, And I'm proposing a, a new little lingo term. Uh, anytime you promote somebody <laughs> to the show, you're taking them to market. <laughs> okay. You're taking them to market. You're taking them to market. Let's extend the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking that little piggy to market. Yeah, I, I think it works really well. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we should we'd be remiss to say that like the minor league players um, are treated really poorly. Yes, very poorly. They're really I, treated really. Yeah. Po- they are not given. They make no money. They travel on really shitty buses from place to place. They eat. They're given bad food. Uh, they don't have good places to live. They need part time jobs. Yes, um, and um, I feel like the next possibly the next big thing that could happen, not could happen, but I don't know if a team started like investing a little bit more in paying their minor league players. Right. I wonder if that would be a huge like boon for their farm system. I wonder if that could pay out in some major results. It might, but I wonder how much agency the players have uh, over like where they are located in that, in that farm system. But they could be paid more. Like yeah. the team oh. could decide to pay them more money, at and least. I yeah. agree they absolutely yeah. should. Yeah, like even that difference. There's also something with like uh, major league teams not bringing up players. Oh yeah, sure. Um, for they yeah manipulating their like playing time. Right. Yeah. yeah so so yeah. they they're not obligated to pay them yeah. a certain amount. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. The minor league players are treated poorly. I yeah. mean, I guess definitely the next collective bargaining agreement they definitely need to address 
minor league yeah. system because yeah. I feel like you know you look at Kyler Murray and you you of course like why would you ever go play like why would you ever go like fucking suck in a <laughs> in a minor league system for years like on a bus sleeping with like in this like sharing a room with three other dudes um, when you could go be an instant star for an NFL team you know? yeah. Um, yeah and so like that to me seems like a really uh, stark contrast of like how poorly the minor league system is for yeah. Like how how it's run and like I think and, like an easy win is just like get a team facility house everybody yeah, feed everybody yeah. like make sure that you're controlling like what y- you have a visibility into what they're eating what yeah. their what their like sleep habits are you yeah, know absolutely because yeah with compared to other sports when you're drafted in baseball you you need a good couple of years in the minor leagues before you really are ready to be in the major leagues it's just right. in terms of like when your body kind of catches up to the bodies of people playing major leagues yeah, absolutely. compared to the NFL or the NBA where you're pretty much ready. If you're the top of the draft, mm-hmm. you're pretty close to being ready to play the, the year that you get drafted right, or, right. You know, uh, uh, within a year. Right, um, like the skills required don't take as much development. I yeah. guess they're not super specialized. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that that's kind of a big change that comes to the, the ma- uh, major league and minor league system. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I, it just feels like right now that like teams aren't incentivized to make that infrastructural investment, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it seems like the first team that does is going to hu- have a huge leg up. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. I think that that would be a, maybe enough of a reason to make that investment. Yeah. Is that like, uh, they're always looking for like um, um, little, thi- you know, in inconsistencies in the way that things are run, right? Little um, market inefficiencies. Yeah, inefficiencies. Yeah. Right. Seems like that could be one of them. That if a team decided to invest, just I don't know what one to what we're talking like five million dollars yeah, more. Which is it wouldn't take that much. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, that it could make a really really significant difference. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I just think, like, especially with all the kind of research into, you know, for example, um, you know, uh, for example, players wearing, uh, like, tracking equipment on their bodies yeah. and, like, tracking, like, um, you know, uh, a lot of research into, like, recovery time and mm-hmm. things like that and, like, optimal ways of, of making sure your body's rested uh, to, to survive a long haul through a baseball season, like... That to me maps completely like analogously to just like making the investment in your minor league farm. Yeah. Jesse, I have one question for you. Yeah. What's it gonna take for the Mets to pull up Tim Tebow? Uh I think if they're twenty games back in, in September, we're gonna see <laughs> we're gonna see Tim Tebow. Okay, great. Tim Tebow actually So if they're just really bad. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so you should be rooting against the Mets if you want to see Tim Tebow. A lot of people are a lot of people are doing that at this point. I mean, Tim Tebow has historically bad numbers. He might be one of the worst <laughs> Worst players in AAA right now. <laughs> no joke, no exaggeration. He he's hitting. Uh, he had a sub 100 um, batting average when I saw him a couple of weeks ago. Okay, he must have got a couple hits because he's at 157. Now. <laughs> okay, um, hey, he's, he's on the up. uptick. He's moving up. His weighted runs created plus is 12. Okay, so that's on a scale of 100, right? So 100, 100 being average. 100 is average for your league. Uh, he's 12, so he's. He's eighty eight. Uh, he's eighty eight percent worse than the average. <laughs> um, okay, oh, no. well, pretty good. Uh, uh, Jesse, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I have nothing to plug. Okay. I think you should. You should. You should. Uh, you should 
contact the front office of the Houston Astros and demand that Jordan Alvarez gets called up so my fantasy team does well. <laughs> okay, nice. great. If yeah. everybody could do that. And if you great. have a fantasy league, just invite Jesse. He'll join I it will, no matter what. I'm really busy right now, but I will make the time. <laughs> uh, Jesse, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, thanks, for having, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. The Bean Ball is hosted by Joey Price and Brady O'Callaghan. Our music is by Louis Aronowitz, and our logo is by Brad Mead. If you'd like to contact us, you can email thebeanballpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.